everyone, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I'm Jonathan, your host, and here at Redbeard Outdoors, talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors. Why? Because I've noticed that people that are successful and consistently successful in life apply those four aspects into their life in some form or fashion so that they have consistent success. That's what I want for you guys, to live a happier, healthier, more successful life. That's why I started the podcast. That's why I share what I do on social media. That's why I created Redbeard's Fit Crew, which you are invited to join. I'd love to have you also in First Form Outdoors. That's what we're all about. Great communities to join. Come check us out over there on Facebook, guys. If you don't have a Facebook, send me an email. My email is down below. I'd love to get you in on our weekly calls so that you can up your game. Even if you don't have Facebook, you don't have to have Facebook. It's not a buy-in to get in. But send me an email. I'll get you those Zoom links so you can join us on those calls and better your life, up your game, and live that happier, healthier, more successful life. All right. Today, guys, being Saturday, I have an amazing guest for you. He's another photographer. And no, I'm not quite getting into photography yet. Yet. Maybe one day. (laughs) Not videography, but photography, guys. Ryan Haynes. He's a fellow ginger, telling you guys, gingers, we're going to take over one day. Ryan does some amazing work with the camera. I, Guys, seriously, blows me away whenever I see their work. He also loves bow hunting. He's knocked down some, some big deer and just a great guy. Loves his wife, loves his job, loves his friends. He's just an overall great individual. Definitely into fitness. Even though he's more of a whitetail hunter, it's super important, guys. It's not just whitetail fit that's into fitness, right? It's anyone that wants to be a better hunter. It'll help you up your game. So anyway, Ryan is just an amazing guy. Before we get into that conversation, I just want to give a shout out to the show sponsors, show affiliates, great companies. I'm able to get you guys some discounts because... I want you to enjoy high-quality gear and equipment when you go outdoors or in your day-to-day life. So this podcast, of course, is brought to you by First Form, First Form Outdoors. If you guys are in need of any kind of supplementation, whether that be protein, multivitamin, fish oil, greens, you name it, First Form's got it, and they're the best in the market, guys. I'm telling you, high-quality U.S. company. Go check them out over at First Form. Also, If you need some new bowstrings, A3 Archery, best bowstrings on the market. And if you don't want to ever have to carry your bow again, go check out the Bow Hitch. I've put it through its paces. I love that thing. It's a great addition to your bow. Rattler Grips as well. Go check them out down below, guys. And, of course, Alpen Fuel and Heather's Choice. My go-to nutrition for backcountry, whether that be backpacking, camping, hunting, adventures go check out alpen fuel and heather's choice again guys links are down below if you need a digiscoping adapter best on the market fast solid gets you what you need as far as footage is concerned all in digiscoping go check it out that's my go-to for digiscoping guys i've tried out a couple on the market this one is my go-to great quality go check out all in digiscoping and of course, guys, Kafaru backpacks, best backpacks on the market. Go get you a duplex light frame. 
And then, of course, check out the thousands of combinations that you can customize your gear for your needs, your hunts, your backpacking trips. Go check out kafaru.net. All right, guys. Now let's get into this amazing conversation that I had with Ryan Haynes. Great photographer, amazing hunter, family man, loves fitness, loves his faith. Great guy. Let's listen. All right. We've got an awesome guest here for you guys. We've got Ryan Haynes. He is a master photographer. He won't say that, but I got to give <laughs> a, a ginger brother some props there. He does some awesome stuff <laughs> on Instagram and uh, on the social medias. And uh, he's just a, a great guy here. But so we kind of came across each other through social media. And uh, and then again, you know, I naturally gravitated towards him because the gingerness, you know, we got, got to stick <laughs> together. Uh, we're taking over the industry, guys. No, but but in in all in all reality, um, great content, great photography skills. And he's just uh, an average guy like you and me. He's a young guy uh, like me as well. And, and we're just enjoying what we're doing. But Ryan, uh, kind of give us in a nutshell, who who are you? I am just a, uh, first and foremost, probably a hunter. That's, that's what I consider myself. I just, uh, that's what I live for. Um, definitely just getting out in the woods and chasing big game. Um, and a photographer, that's kind of what I, I fell in love with too. So I just tried to, uh, to get out and capture some moments and, um, and really that's, that's who I am, uh, to the core. That's awesome. So I guess let, let's start there. Um, you know, as a hunter, did you grow up hunting? Uh, and kind of how did you get introduced into hunting? Yeah, so I did grow up hunting. I was fortunate enough to grow up with uh, with my dad being um, growing up as a hunter as well and, and teaching me. But it wasn't really big game. It was more waterfowl. So I grew up loving it, um, grew, grew up loving the outdoors. And, and he showed me a lot um, from a super young age, always took me out anytime he could and, and things like that. So I'm very fortunate enough. And then when probably around 14 or so, I, uh, I picked up a bow. I, I always had a fascination with real tree outdoors, big bucks, um, and things like that, uh, as far as TV shows were concerned. And, and I was always fascinated by it. So I picked up a bow and, um, ended up shooting fun love. And that's kind of where I, I, I find myself these days is just chasing animals with a bow. <laughs> so I, uh, but yes, to, to answer your question, I did, I did grow up hunting in the, in the outdoors. Yeah. So I'm not a big waterfowl guy. Um, I, I don't know if I just haven't been introduced to it. I know my, my grandpa talks about how they used to hunt on this certain lake. Um, and whenever we go see the family lake house, it's uh, there, you see all the old stands, you know, that they'd take the boat out to and out in the middle of the lake. And um, I just never really got into waterfowl hunting. Uh, what's the, I guess, do you still waterfowl hunt or has that kind of faded out for chasing big bucks? So when I started getting serious about chasing um, deer, probably 2015 or 2016 or so, I started really taking it serious. I put waterfowl on the back burner. Um, it's something that just kind of took took second. Um, and there's just nothing that compares to, to when you arrow a big deer or, or, you know, when you finally work all season long and have him walk out in front of you. There's just nothing that compares to it. So um, but I will say waterfowl hunting is a great change of pace later in the season when December rolls around and you've, you've hunted the entire rut. Um, and you're 30 days into the stand, um, a lack of sleep, your, uh, your wife's yelling at you to get back home. Cause you've been, you've been gone for so long. Um, so it's, uh, it is a good change of pace. So I still try to get out a couple times a year. Um, 
uh, maybe a dozen times a year or so in late season. But uh, I did change things up this year. So last year I actually went and bought a, a registered lab and uh, have been training him the entire time because I love waterfowl hunting. Um, and I wanted something to really give me that drive to get back into it. So I uh, I went out and bought a pup and have been training him. And he's a year, a little over a year and a half now. And this is going to be his first waterfowl season. So he's gearing up, ready to go. And it starts next month. So I'm, I'm ready to get out and, and chase some birds. That's awesome. That's really cool. So I guess sell me on this waterfowl hunting thing, because the only birds that I really am interested in in hunting is uh, is turkeys. And those yeah. things for the dumbest bird out there, they're smart. <laughs> And yeah. super annoying. Agree. Agree. <laughs> but, uh, you know, sell me on it. What, what, is, what's the allure of, of waterfowl hunting? You say change of pace. Is it the camaraderie? Is it the, um, cause you know, I just can't imagine sitting in a freezing cold, wet blind or on a boat or wherever you are and just enjoying that waiting for things to fly in. Like I yeah. just can't, I, I can't imagine. So, for me, I would pick waterfowl hunting or turkey hunting any day of the week. I'm uh, I'm about as lazy of a turkey hunter as it gets. Uh, I'm I'm not a big fan of it. I, I go out every once in a while. I like to travel around and hunt turkey, but as far as, as far as that goes, I'll, I'll write that off. But uh, how I'd sell you on it is you don't have to be quiet. <laughs> so as a whitetail hunter, you have to. I mean, for for months. Uh, for October all the way to the end of November, I'm just sitting there in a stand as quiet as can be trying to to hunt the wind and, and not bust out deer and things like that. And then I get to, to go hang out with buddies, um, go set a decoy spread out early in the morning, find birds the day before, knock on doors, find farmers to let us hunt some birds and, and go set out a big, de- a big decoy spread and, and know they're going to come in and just hammer them. So what's fun about it is you don't have to be quiet. You got your buddies there. Um, you see the dogs work and, and when it, when you time it out right and you do it right. And there is, I mean, hundreds of birds flooding in big green heads, mallards or, or out West geese hunting. It's uh it's really, really fun. And um, so it's just a change of pace as, uh, as action's concerned is, is uh, I mean, when you have all those birds flying in buzzing over your head, it's just something that uh, that's a lot of fun compared to sitting in a white tail stand and only seeing you know, a few, a few deer in the morning. So it's, uh, that's how I'd sell you on it. Okay. So I, I can understand that. Um, so you got to have decoys, you're knocking doors, but the, mm-hmm. I can see the camaraderie of it and not having to sit there now, you know, during whitetail season, kind of talking about that. Um, how many levels up do you get in candy crush? Okay. <laughs> oh man. So I am actually not a game person on my phone. Um, I'm more of a, uh, an Instagram and editing photos person. So I'm, uh, I'm sitting there in the, in the stand and I'm, I'm editing photos that I need to get done for people, or I rework photos or, or, uh, plan out next, uh, Instagram posts and things like that. So that's what I'm doing. But if I did have candy crush, I'd be an expert at this time. Um, already, uh, <laughs> I've, I've put a lot of tree stand hours in over the years. So. That's awesome. Yeah. I just wanted to, I, I, I laugh about that cause I'm not a game guy either. My, my wife will crush some candy crush and Sudoku on the phone. Uh, oh, I'm so, just not, so am I. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's not my thing. <laughs> um, you know, and it, it's crazy that you, you mentioned, you know, uh, editing and, and photography and things like that. And we'll get into that in a little bit, because honestly, that's really what, um, what I, how I found out about you, uh, is just the, the things you can do with editing. Right. And, and it's not that you're trying to make 
I don't know. There's, there's bad editing in my opinion, where you're mm -hmm. trying to make something look like it's not. And then there's other editing where you draw out the natural beauty that a camera just naturally can't seem to do for some reason. Mm -hmm. um, and you're able to go through and say, actually, this is, this is how it, you know, I perceived it, the sunset or, yep. uh, you know, the bow, the way a bow may look or uh, your dog or just whatever it is out in nature. Um, you know, taking a picture with your phone or whatever, it's cool. And there's some editing you can do to it, but being able to draw out that beauty that you would see almost in, in real life, um, yep. what your eyes actually perceive is is it's a skill um that i just i haven't taken the time to figure out and i'm feeling more and more drawn to do that and i'm kind of holding off because i know that's another rabbit hole that i just can't afford monetarily or time wise to yep. go down <laughs> um, it is but, it but is. yeah so talk to us a little bit about wh what so you know what brought you into photography um mm -hmm. what's your reason for continuing to do it and why you are so passionate about it even even now it hasn't faded out for you. Mm -hmm. So what kind of got me into cameras in general is kind of what I spoke on earlier is I grew up watching these TV shows of these people killing these big bucks. And I've always wanted to record um, my hunts. So, I mean, I can remember when I was like 14, 14 or 15 years old, me and a buddy had a little Sony handy cam and we were going out recording deer and recording a shooting deer and things like that. And I just loved it. And um, so when I got a little bit out of college. I've always had an eye for photography, though. I, that's one thing. I always loved photos. I always loved how people edited photos and things like that. I just never did it. And I'm like the type of person that when I dive into something, like I just I go full force in it. Um, I mean, I'm dumping all my money into it. I'm doing everything to try to 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 get where I want to be. Um, and honestly, that's not really the approach people should take because <laughs> um, there's a lot more after I found out that for a, I could take a you know a two hundred dollar camera and do a lot of the same stuff that someone with a three thousand dollar camera could do. It, it's not really the camera that's going to do it. It's the experience and the eye and the and how you you take those photos. So um, for people out there, don't just go and do what I did at the beginning and uh, and just put all of your money into uh, into one camera to begin with. Don't do that. But um, getting back to that, I, I would say that. I just ended up, like I said, just diving down the rabbit hole, got that, I got a camera and, and started uh, primarily wanting to video hunts. Um, but then I found out shortly after that, that I hated video editing <laughs> and uh, I liked photos much better. So I just started uh, tinkering with Lightroom, um, editing photos, going back and, and uh, editing more photos. And, and just over time, I guess it's been probably four years now that I've been in it. Um, have just seems, I seem to keep getting better and better. And that's kind of what it's all about is just progressing. Um, there's things that, that I've, I edited six months ago that I look at now and I'm like, wow, that was terrible. So it's like, it's a never ending game of, of how you, um, you want your photos to look, how you want your work to look and, and progressing, um, you know, in photography. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, that, that's, uh, that's something that I, I would agree with you on that, you know, just going through and, um, the little bit that I've done, uh, just, I guess making podcasts look okay on YouTube. Um, and you know, my gear reviews that I put out, I just, I'm very frank with people. Like I, I don't want to get into editing video. Um, <laughs> I don't understand how people like, like our buddy Joel, you know, he just, yeah. or whitetail fit as you know, the, the listeners out there may know him. Um, he is, I don't know how he does it to be honest with you. 
Like it just, it blows me away uh, seeing the way that he edits or some of the other people that spend all this time uh, just editing videos. And I'm like, I, I like the idea of photography. Yeah. I like that. There's a story behind it. it. It engages people in a way that video just can't because in a video, you're kind of telling the story as it is. Right. But if yep. a photo, it seems to draw people in to ask questions like, well, why is this that way? Or why is this that way? Or, um, you know, what was going on behind the scenes or, you know, and it kind of engages that kind of conversation. Um, that's why for me, it's kind of sad that Instagram has, has gone more towards reels, which is why mm -hmm. I, you know, when, when I first got back from a mission flashback about, oh man, what was it? It was almost nine years ago now. Sorry. That's crazy. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I'm getting old, man. I'm 30. <laughs> uh, so when I first came back, everyone was like, Oh, Snapchat and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I just, I'm going to stick with Instagram because I like the pictures and the conversation it creates. And, uh, and that's, you know, I got on Instagram and, um, but now it seems, you know, everything's going towards reels and, and those short clips that grab mm -hmm. people's attention. Um, people don't want to necessarily sit down and read the caption or do that kind of in-depth investigation of a photo. Um, but I mean, that's kind of my perspective. How, how are you feeling as far as, you know, I'm imagining similar, but you mentioned you're more into photography than videography. So For sure. uh, kind of shoot me your opinion on that. So, so what I'd say too, kind of getting back to that, as far as photo to video, what I like about it and kind of what it separates is that I'm a person that I want like instant gratification. Um, and that's what a photo gives me. Um, so video you know, I'll, I'll take a lot of clips and then I have to get back and in, in, in post, then I can put something together and be like, you know, maybe a few days later, I'm like, wow, that's awesome. But a photo, I could take a photo and be like, that's awesome, you know, immediately. So I love that instant gratification. But um, when it comes to Instagram, it's, uh, yeah, it really is sad kind of thing, the way things are going. And, and I kind of see why they're, they're really just as a business, they're trying to compete. Um, they're trying to compete with TikTok and and Snapchat and things like that. So I, I see why they're doing it, but it drives me crazy um, how the algorithm really works. So as a, as a platform that was supposed to be photo um, specific is now, you know, getting to your, your short reels and things like that, which can be fun to make, but it's a lot of time as a content creator. It's like um, from editing a photo to actually putting, you know, a 10 second reel together. That's a lot of time um, that separates both of those. So it's just more work on our end that we have to do, which is, you know, it's fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, I wish, I wish they would kind of go back to the way things used to be uh, a couple of years back, but I don't really see that happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. I, I, I agree from a business perspective, I can see why they're doing it, but at the same time, from a business perspective, um, you know, you kind of want to, most things that I see that, that stick around for a long period of time and have constant success aren't always changing with the times, if that yeah. makes sense, but they're, they stick with their niche. Right. Yeah. And, and so it's like someone that tries to, to net a big group of people or shotgun blast, you know, you got, you got all these people, but none of them really stay engaged in it. Um, yeah. And that's why you're constantly having to put out these reels. Cause now they're pushing reels and you're trying to keep those people engaged, you know, seven seconds mm -hmm. or less, you got to make it involve seven seconds or less. Yeah. And uh, instead of, you know, just having that, that photography, you can sit down, you could look at it and have a genuine conversation about it, which yeah. I, you know, I definitely prefer. Which so, that, 
what you just pointed out is actually really funny too, because it's not only that you have to make a reel now, it's like you have to keep it within a certain time frame because mm-hmm. we have such short attention span these days. So <laughs> it's like yeah. if it's more than seven seconds, we're swiping through it. So it's mm-hmm. uh it's funny how how things work. But um yeah, you know, it's just it's changing times and, and I think uh everyone's kinda adapting to them now and and finding out what their um what works for them on their page. So Yeah, no for sure. For sure. So that's cool. So photography, don't go and buy your, you know, four or five, $6,000 camera. Don't do it to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I'm, I'm one of those guys too, man. Like when I got into archery, it was, I need the flagship because if I'm going to yep. go into it, I'm going to go all in. Right. I, I, yep. I didn't go and buy the starter package. I bought the flagship and I picked every single piece of equipment that was going on that bow, every single piece of equipment that was going on my arrows. Like I was probably one of the most annoying people. And they, they, they say that over at wild arrow. Now they're uh, the, the guy, Mark, who's become a really good friend. Um, he's like, yeah, I sold him a, a Hoyt a couple of years ago and he just hasn't left. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. That's the bow that's sitting right there, you know, and, and it's uh, he's just, you know, I'm always in there now asking questions and back there helping at the shop a little bit too. And um, that's just kind of the joke. They can't get rid of me, but uh, you know, it, it's, it's it's cool to get the nicer stuff but it's also fun like what you were saying to take the the process of starting you know smaller with a a, Mm -hmm. a lesser camera lesser capable camera and uh and working your way up figuring out your editing skills which i don't know maybe that would make you even a better editor if you take a a camera that doesn't do so much on its own Mm -hmm. and you have to learn how to edit the photo Maybe you learn the editing software a little bit better if you prefer Lightroom, which it sounds like a lot yeah. of people do versus yep. um, I don't even know what Apple's version is. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so that that's cool. That's really good advice. I I, I don't know how many people are actually going to take that, but yeah. <laughs> I think it's really yeah. good advice. Yeah, um, I would uh, I would definitely yeah. recommend starting starting off at a, like I like I said earlier, I could. It's not really the camera. It's it's the guy behind the camera that's working it. So don't don't go out and spend all your money on one camera because I remember when I first did it, I I bought I, I dove way too too far into it, spent way too much money, and then I expected my photos to look like the people mm-hmm. online. And that's another thing don't do as a photographer. Don't compare your work to other people to begin with because you're gonna be really disappointed in yourself um, to begin with. So um, it all takes time. I mean, you'll get better at it and and go from there. And, and it's just always a, a journey to learn. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And I, I, I would agree with that as well. That that's, that goes to pretty much anything, you know, yeah. that we're into, you know, or, or whether it be with your, your health goals, whatever your goals are, are going to be different than like the way you do photography is different than a couple of other people that just come to mind. Yeah. And I like each of your work diff- for different reasons. And again, that goes back to kind of like what we were saying about Instagram, just you, you find your niche, you find what you're good at and you put it out there and people will be drawn to that, that are actually going to be engaged Mm -hmm. in what you're putting out. You don't have to try and be the next so-and-so. There was a, there's a, an advertisement out um, with Tom Brady and I think it's Under Armour where he's reading this letter and you see these different clips of all these young kids that are in junior high and high school doing their sports. And it, the letter saying something to the effect of you don't need to be the next Tom Brady, be the oh, best. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. Right. I have seen that. And one. so mm-hmm. you don't need um, Tom Brady's story is one of those one of a kind, like he worked his butt off. Um, and then you've got other people too that have done similar things, but in their own way. 
And so finding things, whether it be again, hunting, archery, um, that's why I asked you about waterfowl. Cause I like to hear people's opinions on it. Cause it just, it's not something that I'm naturally drawn to, but I might be interested in the future. Yeah. Um, but you know, finding what you're good at and putting it out there, the people that are drawn to that and will be engaged in it will be drawn to you naturally. It may take time and it may be frustrating, um, but you'll build up either that following or that community. And, and that's just, they'll stick. They won't like follow and then leave a week later, like yeah, they'll for stay sure. and, and be engaged with your stuff. So yep. I, I think that's a good it's point. It's all about building relations. Exactly. Exactly. So talk about photography and waterfowl. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about your, your passion for big bucks, which you've got a nice mm-hmm. one right there behind your head. Almost oh. looks like you've got your own, <laughs> you've got your own rack going on there. But, yeah. <laughs> um, what, what, I guess what made that transition for you? Why archery and not shotgun or rifle? Um, mm-hmm. And and let's go from there. Just kind of what what made that transition for you? So the bow hunting aspect is actually pretty um, pretty simple. I uh, growing up the county that I grew up in in Texas is one of the, like the four or five counties in Texas that's bow only. Um, no rifle season, no shotgun season, muzzleloader, anything. It's bow only from October first to mid January. So. Um, that's why I, I bow hunt only <laughs> it's because I've actually never, I grew up not being able to shoot them with a rifle. So, um, to this day I've killed, I mean, multiple, multiple deer, um, in, you know, 10 years of, of seriously hunting them or eight years of seriously hunting them and never killed one of the rifles. So, um, I'll actually have an opportunity to do that this November with Bushnell and uh, my first actual rifle hunt, which is going to be kind of crazy. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of why I bow hunted. And, and I remember the first, actually it was that guy right there. Um, I killed him back in 2017 and that was my first like breakout really big deer. Um, I was going to say, was I that hunted... your first deer? Cause that's a, that's no. a good white tail. No, I've killed a lot. Uh, I killed a lot before that, but that's my first like big deer. Um, so you weren't ruined and... from the first shot. That's good. No, <laughs> no, no. That's my first one that I, I mean, we worked super hard to, uh, we'd actually seen him. Oh, I don't know if I, did oh, I turn my volume off on you? Okay. My, my, it said mute, but all right, back to the story. Um, I, uh, we had hunted this deer the year before we had him on camera and then he never showed back up, um, for the entire year we thought he was dead. And then all of a sudden I'm hunting his corridor in kind of where he just, he liked to hang out. And sure enough, one November day, I look over and he strolls by and, um, ended up sticking him at 12 yards. So it, uh, wow. it's kind of crazy how it works out those bucks in the rut. You know, they can disappear for an entire year and, and, um, and then come back out of nowhere. So, uh, that's kind of what got me really hooked on hunting mature, really big deers. Cause after that I was, I was addicted to it. Um, so now that's what I try to do is just try to find those, those really mature five and a half, six and a half year old bucks and, and getting after them. So this year I'm playing chess with a couple of them. So it'll, it'll be a matter of time before I, I, uh, I stick an arrow on one of them, but, um, yeah, you can, you can ask away questions, whatever you want. I, uh, I'm an open book when it comes to big game. That's, that's what I live for. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, for, for a lot of people that listen to the podcast, uh, they're out West here and I know it seems a little different. So when I grew up in North Carolina, I didn't really get into hunting because I went once with a guy who, I mean, he was a cool guy and he's a, a, a good hunter. I'd say good. He's successful pretty frequently. Um, but 
I sat in a blind. It was an elevated blind, mm-hmm. um, like a box blind. And it was with a rifle and there were like three or four shooting lanes. And for me, so I grew up, I, at one point in my life, wanted to be a veterinarian. I love animals. And it didn't seem very fair. It seemed very, uh, I don't know, like there was a salt lick on one end, there was corn on the other, and there was something else. And I was just like, dude, like if I want to go target, like I love guns, I'll go shoot a rifle out to a thousand yards. This is awesome. But I don't want to do that on animal. Like it just seemed, it just seemed off. I didn't like mm-hmm. it. And so um, I stuck to fishing. Uh, I love bass fishing, big, largemouth bass, top water. That is my favorite between that. And then now I've learned to fly fish a little bit and uh, yeah. just that top water interaction. I love that. But anyway, coming out West here, you know, I got into rifle, which to me made a little bit more sense because you're shooting, you know, across ridges yep. and stuff like that. It's a little bit more distance. It's a little bit more open. Um, and, and so now that I've gotten into bow hunting, I could see myself going back to North Carolina or out East or the Midwest and sitting a stand. Now, um, you know, I've been told you got to have a good book, you know, things like that make sure you're, <laughs> you're, you're able to occupy your time while you're in the stand. But, uh, um, you know, that seems a lot better to me, a lot more, I guess, a lot more fair. Um, but also a lot more, I like the challenge of it, you know, mm-hmm. shooting less than a hundred yards with a rifle. It seems like a chip shot to me. Some people may disagree with that, but um, a, a bow, on the other hand, you know, you were saying you got to within 12 yards of that guy behind you. And uh, that just like being able to hear him breathing, being able to see them, you know, scraping and, and doing mm-hmm. all their grunts and stuff like that. Like that just, that seems exciting. And uh, yeah. So, so tell me, I guess a little bit more about first, I guess, how do you keep yourself entertained in the stand? Um, since we've established, you don't do candy crush. So uh, how do you keep yourself entertained up there? And then uh, I guess what what's maybe, I don't know, give us a, a good interaction of, of maybe one of your favorite interactions you've had when sitting in the stand. Yeah. So how I keep myself entertained is, uh, like we said earlier, just kind of Instagram, um, editing photos, things like that. But honestly, it's uh, if if you did your scouting, um, and, and it depends on the properties. I mean, there's some public land that I've been out and hunted and not seen a deer, you know, multiple, multiple times. Um, but on some of my private pieces, like I know I'm going to see deer. Um, so that kind of keeps me entertained, you know, as it is, because those does will bust you if you move too much. So, um, but my favorite interaction actually is probably one that happened. And there's been a couple of them, but last year was insane. I was hunting this thick bedding area in, in, um, early November bucks are starting to rut hard and um, we'd been getting this one um, six by five uh, on on camera he's an old old six and a half year old buck big deer and we'd been getting him on camera and so I slipped in one like November day it was like a 45 for the high it was misty rain nasty I, uh, I hung my saddle on the only tree in this little thicket that I could get in and I had one shooting lane I mean it was little bitty shooting lane and probably an hour before dark, a, I, I hear some does running through. Does start piling in and then I hear some grunting. And this is like a, just imagine like a really thick, like a thick briar patch is all that I'm in. A whole bunch of briars, thorns, and then some oak trees. Um, and I, so I can hear this buck grunting from my left, but I can't see him because it's that thick. And then finally he runs through this little bitty opening I have and um, he's chasing does like crazy. 
So another like 20 minutes goes by and then 30 minutes goes by. And finally it's like 10 minutes before dark. And I've seen this buck a couple of times just running these does, but he never stops and I don't have a shooting lane anyway. So he runs behind me and I'm thinking he's going to get my wind. And then I, I look back and there's uh, the neighbor's fence and then there's one little trail that they hop over. And it so happens that the trail comes right next to where I hung my sticks to get up the tree. So I look back and sure enough, he's there on the other side of the fence at like 15 yards and he jumps over the fence and I actually had to turn. I'm in a saddle and I'm on my platform. I had to turn completely backwards. And by the time I drew, he's walking down this trail and he's at one yard. I shot him straight down. Um, I actually had to be conscious when I drew back, my arrow was actually coming off of my wrist because it was such a steep angle. So I actually had to aim back a little more. And um, at the time I was using a Garmin zero range finding site. So like I ranged him out of habit um, and I got my pin released it and stuck him and uh, he ran 40 yards and died. And, um, but what's crazy is when he was coming down that trail, um, he was getting so close after I drew that he stopped in his tracks and looked and he was smelling my hawk sticks, like my hawk climbing sticks. He was, I mean, six inches from him. I mean, straight at the base of the tree. And that's when I pulled back and it was too late for him then. But that was an insane encounter for how close he was. But uh, that guy right there, actually, you were speaking, he was at 12 yards, but he was, it was a cold November day and I could actually see his breath. I mean, I could see him breathing. That's, that's, that's the cool part about bow hunting is, is you can see all those details and things like that. But I am, I will say I'm excited to get to, uh, to rifle hunt. I do, I do want to go out West though. I'm not going to stop bow hunting. I'm, I'll never stop bow hunting and, and I honestly, I might not ever really rifle hunt for deer around here ever again, but um, I do want to get into rifle hunting out West. Uh, that, that definitely intrigues me. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's a whole nother ball game. Uh, you know, I haven't gone for anything trophy, so I imagine that would um, obviously make it a little bit more uh, of a challenge to go rifle mm-hmm. hunting. Um, and then, but also kind of going back to it, like, I, I'm just like, man, cause once I get back into rifles, I'm going to want to build a nice one. And so, that's yeah. gonna, you know, that, and then there's so many calibers to choose from and I'm going to want one of each, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just going to delve into bows for now. And then I'll go back to rifle. I've got a good 308 <laughs> that does the job. Um, but, but yeah, I just, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a whole different ball game when you get to, to sit um, and watch these animals, you know, and um, it, it's, I don't know how to, I don't know how else to explain it, but that's a big allure for me for bow hunting is you may see them off at a distance and it's cool to see the animals, uh, off at a distance. But when you get to be that close to them, that you can hear them breathing or see them breathing or grunting or whatever weird sounds they make, hear them walking past you. You know, there's times like what you were saying where you can hear them. Like I was, I was sitting up, um, this was a couple of weeks ago and we we're bow hunting uh, deer just up here above our, our homes uh, on the mountain. And the stuff was so thick that my buddy was in it. I could see him. I could see the mule deer and it wasn't anything big. It was a little three point. Um, but you could, I could see both of them and it looked like they were maybe 15 yards apart. Yeah. And I had him on the radio. I'm like, I'm like, dude, no, sorry. I was texting him. I said, dude, he's right there. Like if you drew back and just shot, like, you'd pinwheel him. Like he's, he's right yeah. there. And uh, he's like, I can't see him. He's like, I can hear him. I can't see him. <laughs> and so like, that's, I, I get being that thick and it, it's just a cool experience, but I'd love to have that experience of, of the white tails where 
um, you know, you're in that stand, you're kind of like what you were saying, editing pictures, reading a book, whatever your, your mind's off of whatever you're doing. Cause you know, sitting there listening to squirrels gets boring after a while. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, you just want to arrow all of them, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been there before. You yeah. start, uh, you start running out of money buying arrows. So <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, but the, the mule deer hunts cool. Cause you can see them, you go chase them, or sometimes they'll come across you. But the idea of going from zero to a hundred is kind of that white tail deal where you're, you're sitting oh, there and you're, you're not really focused on it. Cause there's nothing going on. And then all of a sudden he's there. He's and yep. so and that's what they do, man. Those those big mature white tails know how to slip up and slip up to you. Uh I mean, two years ago, I, this is kind of what I think of. I was chasing this buck um that I'd actually backstrapped uh the year before. I backstrapped shot him and he uh he ended up living, but uh he was a smart old buck and he uh all these deer came from my left. I, I was hunting this food plot that I'd planted and I was in this cedar tree. And this big cedar tree, probably like 15 feet up. And um, I could hear every single deer funnel in. And I knew where they were coming from. And sure enough, every single one of them came in. I could hear them walking. And they had walked, you know, 10 yards to my left and then go feed out in the plot. The only deer that I didn't hear was him. And he came from the same spot. I mean, he slipped up so close to me that as soon as he stepped out to that, um, to where I could actually see him, he was already looking at me. And I wasn't moving. He knew I was there. And he he didn't have my wind, but he knew something was up and, mm. and he, he bounded off. So yeah, those big mature white tails are, are something else. And it's, that's the, that's the fun in it is how hard they are to how fun it is. And actually how aggravating it is too, <laughs> is, uh, is how, um, how hard they are to hunt and how hard they are to, uh, to get on the ground. People really don't understand it, especially with a, with a bow. I mean, I could go out and kill a two-year-old, three-year-old, even four-year-old, you know, quite a bit, but once you start hunting those old bucks, it's uh it's a different ball game. It's, they only slip up a few times a year and, and you got to take advantage of it when they do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing too, with that is, you know, I, I used to, a lot of people, I think out West kind of think of it as, Oh, you sit in a tree stand and, you know, you could see some people that are, are pretty out of shape um, that do it where they sit in a blind and, and mm-hmm. you're just like, Oh, this is lazy man hunting. What people don't understand is people like you and that are actually into it and, and want to, help the herd grow um, and, and just get those good mature bucks and are into the whole, again, the mm-hmm. process, not just the end game. And uh, you're, you're planning flu- food plots. You're, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing a whole bunch of stuff that I don't even know about. And you're doing that year round. Like you're, you're making sure that they, you know, this particular group of deer might want this food, you know, or what grows strong in a drought or, you know, things like that. You're having to basically be a farmer <laughs> and a deer yeah. hunter and you know and all this other stuff at the same time you know it, it's crazy to me but um it, it takes a lot of work and i've got a lot of respect for it now that i've learned a lot more about it you know my mm-hmm. first experience being that sitting in an elevated box blind with a rifle was kind of like yeah you know yeah what's this about yeah yeah, yeah right? and that's but, completely but now that i've hunting, learned more about oh go ahead and that's completely different hunting than what, even what i'm doing i mean i just the thought of me going sitting in a, in a box blind um 20 foot up and just looking down lanes like that doesn't intrigue me at all. Um, getting in close to those deer and finding out where they're, they're like, they like to hang out, finding out their food source that they like, um, setting up on a transition point, a transition point between their bedding and food source and catching them coming back to bed. Like it is an actual chess game that a lot of people don't understand. Um, 
killing big deer, you can kill a big, I mean, people get lucky every year and kill a big buck, like a, a big old five and a half, six and a half year old buck, white hunting. People do it every year, but it doesn't happen often. Those, those guys, they know how to stay alive uh, when they get that old. So that's the chess game in it for me is, is finding out how to, uh, um, figuring out what these deer are doing and, and slipping in and, and making them make that, that mistake to, uh, to eventually get them, get them on the ground. So exactly. yeah, it's, it's fun, man. November is just around the corner. It's almost here and, and it's going to be, uh, you know, 30 days straight in the stand of, of grinding it out until, uh, I fill some tags. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I definitely, like I said, I've got a, a big respect for it now that I've learned a lot more about it and, and, uh, and it, it's, it's drawn my attention, um, because mm-hmm. I've got a, I've got a lifetime hunting and fishing license out in North Carolina, so I can call them up. I think they give me like two or three doe tags, two buck tags, uh, Uh a black bear tag, you know, and, um, I'm, I'm actually pretty interested in going back. I just got to find people with land. Um, I kind of lost that connection, but, uh, other than that, yeah, it's, it, it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, uh, it's a, it's a good time, but I will say I love January when it comes around after sitting in the stand for so long and being able to chase some running muleys in, uh, in Arizona, mm. that change of pace as well is, is so much fun because it, it goes from, you know, kind of the same thing we were talking about duck hunting earlier. It goes from sitting in the stand and, and, uh, getting up at 5.00 AM, 4.00 AM every single morning for, you know, mm-hmm. 30, 60 days. And then, uh, being able to kind of, you know, spot and stalk, do some glassing and, uh, and get up on some mule deer. That's, I mean, every year, uh, chasing muleys actually creeps up to, to take it over what I like to hunt best, um, <laughs> over whitetail. So it's, it's a close, it's a close race right now, but man, I love it. So yeah. I can't wait for January already. Well, and the other thing too, so mule deer, um, you know, they'll come in, they'll look at you, they'll bound off maybe, you know, mm-hmm. if they haven't quite caught your wind or whatever, and then they'll stop again and give you another chance. Whereas with oh, white yeah. tail, no. white tail, their, their flags up, pew, they're gone. They're, they're gone. gone. And, and yeah. people, that's another thing people really don't understand is, is hunting. The two is completely different. Mm-hmm. And I tell people this time and time again, that hunting mature white tail is the hardest thing you can do. Um, and people are like, oh, you're just sitting in a stand. And I, I didn't say physically because physically, right. no, yeah, it yeah. might not be, but, um, tricking a mature deer uh, like, uh, like a mature whitetail is the, one of the hardest hunts you'll do. I mean, uh, because of how smart they are. And, and if they, if, if you pressure them too much and even walking in, if you don't have your access to the stand, perfect, um, walking into the wind, if they smell you, you'll never know they're there, but they know you're there. Mm-hmm. They're, you're waste you're wasting your time in that stand. Um, mm-hmm. cause they're not coming in. And if you do it too many times, they'll pattern you. And then you'll never, you'll never catch up to them or they'll go straight nocturnal. So Reverse scouting. Yeah. Yeah. People. Yeah, exactly. They are. And that's how smart they are. They'll move their home range. They'll move their bedding areas to a spot. They'll watch you walk in and, uh, and then go the other direction. So mm-hmm. when you'll never know it. And, and, uh, I've had that happen time and time again. And, and just trying to figure out that, uh, that, like I said, that chess, that chess game with those bucks is, is what makes it intriguing. But, um, Man, I do love muleys though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, you know, and 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 the whole idea of of uh, them patterning you, you know, it's 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 cool because it's. I mean, they're smart. They're they're alive for a reason. Yeah. You know, they're they're really smart, and uh, and it, it, you don't think of a deer as being smart necessarily, but mm-hmm. 
but uh they they definitely they definitely pattern you just like you would pattern them yep um and and they can figure out you know when you're coming in when you're going out what you smell like because they especially white tails that are used to living in environments where there's people like mule deer they get a little curious because you know if, especially if you go in deep they're like what's this person what is, like, what is yep. this two-legged thing but but white tails you know, they'll, they'll, they're used to people doing certain things. Again, like you said, yep. they pattern you, they don't care about lawnmowers. They don't care about all this other stuff. The moment you step 10 feet in, into the woods, they're like, hold on, what's he doing? You know? Yep. And, so, and they know that they know mm-hmm. that they can, they can tell the difference between danger and not. And it's, what's mm-hmm. crazy is I know people in Kansas too, um, who are farmers who will go out and, and they're, they're harvesting their corn. And if they wanted to, they could shoot a 200 inch deer every single year. Cause that the tractor <laughs> they could, they can, because that, that big mature deer doesn't associate danger with that farmer. Cause he sees them every single day. Mm-hmm. But if I went out there to try to do that um, and I'm driving my truck out there and I step out into that field, the same field that he was in, that thing's gone. So it's mm-hmm. uh it is crazy how smart they really are and how they associate danger with, with different people and different objects. Um, but, and people don't really, they don't understand that um to an extent they don't really know how smart these deer really are yeah yeah we had that experience last year too with a uh, pronghorn where i took my boys up to wyoming and i was like this mm-hmm. is kind of they're everywhere you know so it's just a matter of making sure you're on public land not private because it's kind of checkerboard mm-hmm. yeah. um but we pulled off in this one area so we had driven past this group i mean and it wasn't a crazy busy morning but it was on a highway they were just on the other side of the fence on public land <laughs> yeah. And there was a good buck in there and a, a, a lot of good does. And um, so I whipped around and when I could do a U-turn and then I came back and I pulled up maybe a hundred yards from him and I stopped <laughs> the moment I pulled off the highway, pew, they were gone. Gone. Yeah. Like they had semis flying past them. They had all this stuff. They didn't give a care in the world. Yep. The moment I, they heard my truck going to park, they were out of there. Yep. So you know how many just... times other people, other hunters have done that though. And then oh, uh, yeah. they see one of their buddies get shot. So yeah. over time, they, uh, <laughs> over Bob, time, what's they wrong with you? Bob, yep. It's too early for yep, a nap, they, man. Come on, get up. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they, they get used to that. So mm-hmm. no animals are smart and they, they really are. They, I mean, you do something to an animal enough times and they're going to, they're going to associate that with danger and it's going to be 10 times harder to catch up to them. So. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I want to transition into something real quick here. Just, uh, I know you're married. You don't have mm-hmm. children. No correct? kids. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Some people are just really quiet about it on social media. So I always ask, Yeah. um, but so you, no kids yet, right. You've got a fur baby. Yeah. And yeah, uh, hey, we've got, yeah, we've got three of those, yeah. three of those. And then actually oh, okay. four of those with a cat. So we stay busy enough. Yeah. How do they mind having, you know, the, the full mounts back there behind you? Um, that animals hanging up on the wall. The cat, the cat, when we first got her, she was really curious. She would stare at them and I have some ducks on the, you know, sitting on our mantle and stuff like that. She didn't want to play with them, but they're, they're fine with them now. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I've always wondered about that too. Um, but so that, that's cool. Um, so how does your, how do you manage I like asking everyone this because they, they, everyone's got a different method of doing it, but you're obviously gone a lot. You work with Bushnell, you work mm-hmm. with a couple other companies as well. Um, and then you've got your own personal endeavors with hunting. Uh, how do you manage that with your job and mm-hmm. having a spouse? Because it's not easy, yeah. you know, yes. I mean, you don't have, you don't have kids, right? So you don't have that responsibility, but there's still that relationship there. And people are like, Oh, it'd be so nice if, 
if I didn't have kids, I'd be I'm like, yeah, in a way, but at the same time, your spouse still misses you. Uh, yeah. Unless they don't, and if they don't, you might need to go to counseling. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> but how do you guys manage that? How how do you guys handle that? It's uh, it was it, it got a lot to it, it was it took a little while to to get used to that. Um, honestly, in the last couple of years, I've considerably gotten busier and busier and busier. The more that I start diving into. Um, I guess I would say the industry or, or working with some of these companies and I, I stay really busy throughout the year. And I, I have to give, you know, credit to, to my wife. She's, uh, she's amazing. She, she definitely knows the, what I like to do, um, as far as my, my hobbies go. And, and she knows that it's actually even more than a hobby. It's like what I live for. And, and she understands that. And she's, she's super respectful of it. And, and uh, she lets me do all these things because I love it. Um, but then again, I do have to, you know, I have to I have to pay back every once in a while. You know, the you know, you know, the amount of trips that we go on together uh, throughout a year, it's uh, it's a lot. So we we go to Mexico, Tahoe, and and uh, I have to kind of I have to pay her back too. So it's a uh, it's a working relationship for sure. Um, but uh, making time is is tough. Um, I'm always busy. I'm always on the road, and and you know what's it that can be great but then again it can also be exhausting um at the same time so i'm lucky enough to my nine to five that i have a um a super relaxed job um i i make my own schedule um i get my own work done and then i have time to play after that so it's uh it's i'm super thankful and very lucky with with how i'm my life is structured um at the moment so it's it's only up from here and and, uh, and I'm, I'm excited to see where the future goes with it. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it, it's, I would agree with that a hundred percent. You know, I, I just did a, um, oh, was it a, maybe it wasn't a podcast. I don't know. I've talked about being present and it's something that I'm, I'm constantly working on. I'm definitely not perfect, but I like to kind of share my journey as well, um, through the podcast. And, and so being present is key, kind of like what you're saying, putting those deposits back in after you've withdrawn so much with being gone. Mm-hmm. You know, if you came home and you were just constantly like it, if you went out, you know, with your wife on a date or on one of these trips and you were just on your phone all the time, um, you know, that probably wouldn't be a deposit that would still be withdrawing yeah, yeah. or uh, even just kind of neutral, you know, if anything. And so um, I, I like that you were saying that, you know, you get your work done. You make sure you have those trips, you have that time with your spouse, and then she also understands you. There's no like sneaking around it or dropping it on them the morning of, like, "Hey, I'm going to go hunting." Yeah, you know, making them feel bad to say no. Um, you know, it, it's it's open communication, and that that's definitely key. Um, it's you know something I'm constantly working on because yeah, uh, and we all are. We all yeah. are. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't think um, I don't think we as, as men are generally more or, or as observant, uh, as, as women, or we choose not to be sometimes, uh, when, you know, whenever we notice us being gone for a long time and it might be wearing on them a little bit, we're like, ah, but, but one more day, one more day. Right? Yep. Yeah. And I will say white tail season's tough because I'm, I am in the stand usually, especially when November comes around, I'm in the stand every morning and every evening. Um, so, you know, I'll have the, the middle of the day, um, that I get, get my work done 
but uh, it's it is tough. It, it can strain a relationship every once in a while. So you gotta you gotta have them. Um, you know, a strong woman definitely puts you in your place every once in a while. And tells you how it is, and that's what she does. And I'm actually thankful for it. And yeah. and um, it's uh, no, it's it's going good though. And I know at the big, people ask me this question all the time because I am gone a lot. Um, and sometimes I I take it for granted because I don't. Like, like you were saying, like I, I overlook it sometimes. Um, and then when people bring it back up to me, it, it kind of, it kind of brings it back to, you know, back down to earth. And I, I, I'm, you know, I really do think how lucky I am um, because at the beginning of our relationship, we've been together now for a little over eight years um, and married for just now five back in September. So it's like the beginning of our relationship, it wasn't like this. It, it, it has taken a lot to, you know, to grow into the, what it is. And, and it's just, uh, it's fun. It is. It's a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah, no, that's, that's good to hear that. It wasn't just perfect from the beginning. <laughs> no, no, it definitely wasn't. We've had our struggles with it. So, but yeah. she, like, again, she, she knows what I'm passionate about and, and, um, it's not just, uh, to me, me, you know, like you said, withdrawing all the time, it's me having to give back a little bit too. So. Yep, exactly. And what's funny is, so last year we, we went up and we were, uh, hunting elk and, um, you know, I had told myself I'm not, cause I, I could get a cow with this tag. And, uh, anyway, we, we kind of split up this area that we had e-scouted and, um, anyway, we, we did our noon check-in and, and a buddy of ours had a cow down and it was funny cause that morning he said, you know what, I'm shooting whatever elk walks in my way because my wife said, I got to bring meat home. Yeah. So, <laughs> And sure enough, he got a cow down. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, it's it it's definitely one of those things that you you got to find that balance, and um, you know, you can't. I mean, there's sometimes a year like what you were saying in November or whitetail season, or you know, whatever it is that the season is for you, um, you're you're going to be kind of tipping the scales more in that favor, but you got to make sure you put those deposits in. So that that's awesome, definitely. Um, and the fact that you still work, you know, you've got that, the nine to five as well, um, mm-hmm. that you take care of all the work there. You're not leaving your work hanging, but you're also providing for your family. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're not just saying, well, you know, I'm just going to take a bunch of time off and I'll get paid for it while I go sit in a stand. And, and yep. uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's one of those things you got to balance. So that's awesome. And then one, one last thing I want to ask you a little bit about, cause that's just kind of what we talk about here. And I know you don't post a lot about it, but you seem like you're a pretty in shape individual. Um, mm-hmm. and you're taller, you're, but you're lean. And, uh, what, what do you do to keep yourself in, um, in shape? You know, even though you are mainly a whitetail hunter, you're okay with sitting a stand. You could probably climb a tree in three strokes. Um, but <laughs> what, <laughs> but, uh, but what, what do you do to kind of, to keep in shape? What's kind of your, I guess, fitness or how do you keep that in check? Yeah. So fitness has been a really big thing for me for years. I mean, from, I mean, out of high school, I mean, I think I graduated high school at a, maybe a buck 55. Like I was real lean. I was a track runner. That's like, that's what I did. And, and um, I wanted to gain muscle. So I just started working out and eating everything. I did it completely wrong to begin with. And, and fitness is another one of those journeys that you really have to grow into. And there's a lot to learn about it. And, and um, I mean, I was just dirty bulking like crazy as an, you know, a 19 year old just gaining so much weight, terrible All weight. I was really struck. I mean, I was eating everything. Um, and it, it made me really, it made me realize in college, once I, I met some people and we, we started taking it serious and, and learning how to diet and, and how to, uh, what to eat and how to, you know, track your macros to really, 
um, hone in, you know, your potential um, for what your body really has. And, and man, I love doing it, but again, my fitness, especially in November is kind of put on the back burner. Um, it is one of those things that I work all year long for. And then, um, I look great in the summer for our summer trips into, into elk season. I'm still in really good shape. And then once November hits, it's like, I, uh, I have to, I do have to get into the gym, um, at least probably three to four times a week in November, just to, uh, I hit, I hit a lot of cardio this time of year. Um, which I used to not, I used to not hit cardio at all during the, the winter. And I would just, I mean, I would get up to, you know, 205, 210, and then cut back down to 175 in the summer. Um, but uh, I do hit a lot of cardio now, just one, because it's healthy. And two, because if I don't, then I will gain a considerable amount of fat and, uh, and put on some fluff that I don't really need. That makes it, I've noticed as the older I get, it's the harder it is to come off. Um, and, you know, I'm 28 now. So it's like every year it gets harder and harder to get that, you know, extra last, you know, five pounds off of me. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, I would say fitness is, is a really big thing for me. Um, but except for November, like, uh, like I was saying, it's, it's one of those things that just, I, I have some priorities and, and getting a big buck is, is over that. But, um, as far as fitness goes, I just, uh, I like to lift heavy. I definitely like to lift heavy and I, I incorporate a lot of, uh, stretching as well into it. And, and, um, you know, just staying mobile is, is really important to me, uh, and staying, you know, healthy overall healthy is important to me because mm -hmm. I want to be doing these things, you know, late into my, you know, God willing into my late sixties, you know, early seventies. I'd love to be doing this kind of stuff. So that's and, it, man. You um, don't want to be up in that tree stand at a hundred years old, <laughs> man. I think, um, I think I'm tapping out and just watching some other young people do it at that point, but oh, you're, uh, you're going to be the know. old guy at camp. That's what it is. You're gonna yeah. Like, I'm going to oh, be the camp. Let me cook, tell you about you this know? 14 yeah. point white tail that walked past me. <laughs> yeah. That's going to, that's going to be me. Hey, hopefully that is me someday, but, uh, no, I, uh, I do it because I want to be doing this for, you know, you know, the next, 40 years, you know, so, um, that's kind of why, what keeps me motivated. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, again, going back to kind of your, the people that follow you is, is more the photography and, and getting mm -hmm. to see the archery and, and the hunting, um, which again, I didn't even bring up and we're running out of time here, but the, congratulations on your bull, man. You did awesome. Thank out you. There in Colorado. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, hopefully that, hopefully that good fortune rolls through November and you're able to get the bucks that you're looking for. But, um, you know, you don't post a lot of fitness. I figured you, you do because anyone that meets you or, or even looks at your pictures, you're, you're taller, leaner, and most people aren't naturally that way, um, into their adulthood. You know, you may mm -hmm. have that through high school or whatever, but most people don't stay that way unless they do some kind of fitness. So it's good to yeah. know. Um, that I wasn't guessing wrong on that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. I think it's key for anyone to understand, like, uh, if you want to continue pursuing your passions, even if you're looking at it, like, well, I'm just sitting in the stand. Why do I need to, you know, or I, I've got a cart. I don't need to drag the deer out or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, um, that's cool. But how long do you want to be doing that? Do you want, yeah. you know, to possibly be your last year? We don't want that. Yeah. And controlling what you can control, which in this case is the fitness, the fact that you're noticing, you know, that you were doing dieting wrong a little bit there. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that you're noticing that it's taking a little bit more time to lose the weight that you want to lose. 
you've you've changed that up. I was going to say twisted it up, changed it up um, to where you know what works for your body. And so yeah. that's definitely key. I think most people that are successful consistently, you know, and and it even it even contributes to you being able to sit in a stand or in a saddle, right? Oh yeah, uh, having good blood flow. People don't think about mm-hmm. that. But you could, I mean, you could cause clots and things like that. If you don't have good cardiovascular, a good cardiovascular system sitting for a while can cause issues. So anyway, I just think that's cool. I I love seeing someone who's mainly a whitetail hunter um, that that is into fitness as as much as you are and that you apply that. So so that's awesome. And uh, going back to it, guys, um, you know, Ryan, if you haven't checked out his stuff yet, he killed an awesome bull in Colorado. (laughs) um he did he did a great job there and uh and you've had you've had some really good hunts this year so hopefully that rolls through to november for you yeah we're praying hopefully we do i think we will we put in a lot of time and and effort into uh into this season so i think uh, i think the good fortunes will roll over and and we'll uh we'll be arrowing a couple bucks here in the next couple months that's awesome man well we're rolling up on an hour here so i don't want to keep you too much longer um but where can people find you and uh, yeah. if you want to leave some parting words of advice to anyone or whatever you want to say for the listeners. Yeah. I just want to tell everyone that uh, hopefully they have a good year um, out in the woods or, or whatever endeavors that you take on this uh, the remaining of the year and, and hit 2023 strong and, and uh, hopefully everyone's health and, uh, and, you know, everything is good to go and you and the fam, hopefully you guys have a good trip out to uh to California here soon, but uh, you can find me out on mainly Instagram. I really don't do too much else. I do, I do some YouTube every now and then, but um, at uh, Ryan Haynes, um, H A I N E S for, for those listening or uh, one shot outdoors. So that's uh, mainly where you can find me. Awesome. And I'll leave those links down below guys. So you guys can find them with a quick little click. You don't have to go look them up. Um, and uh yeah, well, appreciate you being on, man. Thanks so much. And yeah, I appreciate uh, hope you, you have guys. A, like I said, a great season. And as I always say, guys, get out, live your life, and love it. All right, all right. Well, that was an amazing conversation with a fellow ginger in the outdoors industry. We just love what we do. Ryan is a stud. Go check his stuff out, guys. I'm going to leave his link down below so you can go check out his work. And thank you so much again for tuning in this week's podcast. And, uh, I just can't say thank you enough, guys. The podcast is growing. Again, the YouTube is growing. Redbeard's Fit Crew is growing. First Form Outdoors is growing. We're just growing everywhere, and it couldn't be done without you guys. Thank you so much. Continue to share the show if you got something out of this show, if you learned something, if you laughed, if you just enjoyed the conversation. Share it with other people. Leave a review wherever you prefer to listen to it. Follow the podcast, and if you follow on YouTube as well, subscribe and leave a comment. Hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. And of course, get out, live your life, and love it.